Okay, well, man, we've had some good singing this morning, haven't we? Wow. I'm, a, I'm worried that the preaching is going to be like a yard sprinkler after a big rain. If it is, just sorry about that. Ain't nothing I can do about it. All right. Well, this morning I'm going to pick up where we have been going. I'm in the third chapter of Genesis this morning. Going to deal with the issues that we've been, I was talking about before I took off last Sunday. I was talking about we're living in difficult times. I've said that many times. And how do you live in these sorts of times? And so we start out by saying in Genesis 1 and 2, you got to remember who you are. Who you are, what you are, that God made you, and, and you got to know who you are. Today, we're going to be dealing with uh, what happened to us. And we're going to call this sermon today, The Way We Were. Anybody saw that movie? Come on, you old people. You saw that, didn't you? See, young people, they say, what is he talking about? What is that? The way? No, but anyway, it's a good old movie. The Way We Were. Genesis chapter 3. All right. Did I see hands? Who's here for the first time? Who's, anybody raise your hand, first-timers? Go here. Come on over there. All right. Good deal. Sometimes when we don't have too many first-timers here, we get out snakes and play with them, but, but not today, I guess. Okay. We won't today. Too many guests. <laughs> Relax. We're just joking. This is a cowboy church. Come on. We have license here to do things that you just can't do in other churches, right? <clears throat> well, in Genesis 3, we need to see that mankind, that's you and me, we were created with the sounds of a universal war in the background. When Adam was made in the Garden of Eden, uh, he was made from dirt, from the dirt of the ground. And as God made him, there was a war going on back in, in hyperspace, as it were, or in a spiritual dimension in another place. We who are Adam's children, we've never known anything else other than war. We've, we're born in it. We've lived in it all of our life. For all these thousands of years that we've been here, there's been this war going on in the spirit world, which has bled over into this natural world in which we live. But it started in the spirit world. It was a war between supernatural creatures and man. We were made and put in a natural environment, a natural place, earth. But this war was fought in a super, which means above, above natural uh, environment, realm. Um, it was fought between supernatural beings. So they were fighting. And what was the war was over, of course, was it was a struggle for power within the family of God. In God's family, there was a struggle for power. Have you ever been involved in a struggle for power? Well, you're, we're human. Of course, the answer is yes, one way or another. In this struggle within the family for control, there was a minority group who, who was fighting against the majority group. Of course, the minority lost and were excluded, and uh, they were cast out, will be cast out, have been cast out. I don't know. It's in eternity. You figure it out. 
And uh, the minority turned their attention to the new creation, and that's us, the new human being, the new children of Adam, or Adam, let's just say. And they turned their attention upon him and wanted to co-opt Adam into their struggle, their rebellion against the Most High. Now, remember, there was a minority that were fighting against him, but there was a majority who stayed with the, the Father, the Most High. But again, they turned the, the minority group turned their attention on us. So let's step back just a little bit, since you've got that sort of background understanding of what's going on in Genesis chapter 3, why God made us worry, what was going on in the background, the spirit world. So let's step back a little bit and consider why would the Father create us, put us here, and uh, what was the purpose that he put us here for? We talked about that a great deal, but we'll mention it just a little bit more today. In Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, we discovered that uh, uh, we were made for two purposes generally. There's more, but... It's mentioned there, first of all, dominion. We were to dominate or have dominion, maintenance, care, oversight, uh, watch care over the planet Earth. That's what our job was. We're made to take care of it, to watch it, to care for it, to manage it. That's number one. Number two, we were given the responsibility to reproduce the human race. We have two primary responsibilities. Man shall, leave his, uh, uh, man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be united to his wife, and they shall become one. They'll, they, they, cleave, they leave and they cleave. We talk about that. And it reproduces the human race. God gave us that responsibility. The human, human beings were made for sacred space. We were made to walk on the streets of heaven. We were made to be in the presence of God. We were made, created to have fellowship with the Most High God, to worship Him, to know Him, to love Him, to be with Him in eternity. We could call heaven our home. We could call the Lord God our Father. We can do all those things because that's what Adam was made to do. Now, the Bible is a history book of redemption. It is a story of redemption. If you remember last time I spoke on this, I talked about how I wish the Bible had been more, had been more, a little more scientific, given us a little more information about creation, about timing and all that, but it didn't. You see, because God wasn't interested in, in educating us in that regard. He was more interested in educating us in the history of redemption, telling us how he's going to fix us and bring us back from this lost situation we have found ourselves. He's, that's what the Bible, and Genesis and all, all the way to the very end, is a story of redemption. So Adam was there. That's the way it was. But the way it is now is an entirely different matter. We've joined the rebellion, and some things have changed. Some things have stayed the same. But some things have changed. Now, let's start talking about what stayed the same. There were some things. First of all, we still are created in the image of God. We bear the image of our Creator. When we walk on the earth, we image Him. We are made in 
the likeness of God. We also retained dominion over the earth. We didn't give that up when Adam sinned in the garden. We, we still are the, to dom, have dominion over the earth. And, and number three, we're, we're continually allowed to procreate or to reproduce more humans. Well, those, those things stayed the same. But there were some things that changed. The fellowship with the Most High changed. Uh, the, uh, and we're also, we don't have the same fellowship we had with our, with the angels, our elder brothers. We, we, uh, even though we still know they're there and we sense their presence at times, especially with God's presence, we don't have the relationship with him that we did. Our relationship with the earth was degraded. And in Genesis three, we talk about a curse and how things change on the earth about how we make our living now from the ground and how we have to work it by the sweat of our brow, and, and we talk about our relationship with the earth was degraded and changed. And so more of those subjects, more of those changes will be the subject today that we're going to talk about. Now, what we were, what Adam was, we can be again because of redemption. And that's why redemption is the key, the heart to the Bible. It's all about that. It wants to tell us the story of being redeemed. And we can be again what Adam was in the beginning. So today, I think Genesis chapter 3 is going to tell us how we get back. How do we get back to the Adam condition, the original Adam? How do we get fixed? Because we're broken, but how do we get back? Well, to do so, you have to understand the story. You've got to understand... that you're broken, but you need to know why you're broken. Well, let's start by meeting a snake. You want to start there? That's a good place. Let's meet a snake. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He was more crafty. Uh, what, what, is it, what was this crafty serpent? Who was he? Well, he was probably one of our elder brothers who followed Lucifer, one of the angels in heaven who followed the, the original rebel. Um, there's a strong literary connection, if you want to run the, the backgrounds on the histories and the word studies, to the seraphim, uh, which are reptilian-looking, uh, fiery red serpents. It's talked about in the Bible. You can look that back to see the, a little bit of this. But Lucifer could have disguised himself as anything, Right? Right? This means I agree with you, preacher. He could have, he could have identified or disguised himself as a, 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 a good-looking young man for Eve to be tempted by, which I think he did, in fact. And he could have identified, been anything, but he, the Bible says it was a serpent, but I think it was more, more of the area, it, whatever it was, verse 3, or, sorry, chapter 3 tells us, that he, he didn't say he was an animal. It says he was more craftier than the animals. So just read that carefully. Probably wasn't an animal because he could speak, he could lie, he could reason, but especially he could lie, and he did. Now let's go to the second part of the story. First of all, we met a snake. Second part of the story is we believed a lie. He told us a lie, and we believed it. We bought it. Hook, line, sinker. Let's keep reading. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Let me say it like we would say it around here. Hey, man. Hey, lady. 
Are you sure God said you couldn't eat of any of that? Come on. Hey, really? Did God say that? That's how we would say it today. You see, he started with an insinuation. Have you ever insinuated something to someone? Uh We're good at that. Human beings are good at that. So he insinuated. Uh, did God really say? See, it was a psychop. He, he planted a thought in Eve's mind. He knew he'd plant that thought. It'd grow, and it would, it would connect to other things, and it would grow. So he planted a thought in her mind, and um, he just let it grow a little while and, and just let it kind of happen. Now, we don't know where Eden was. I've had a lot of time recently sitting around the house recovering from a stupid disease. And um, I've had a lot of time, so I've done some research on it. I wanted to find out where Eden was. Well, I have researched. I've done every word study. I've drilled deep and dove in it as deep as I can go, and I've come to a conclusion. I have no idea. (laughs) Neither does anybody else where Eden was. But wherever it is and was... Uh, it was a special place because supernatural trees grew in this place. Supernatural. Above the natural, a supernatural tree grew here. Now, this supernatural tree, uh, if you could get to this tree, you could have healing. And I wanted some of that healing from my COVID last week. And so I wish I could have found that tree. So if, But if you got to this tree and you pulled off one of the leaves of it and you... Uh, you put it in a cup of hot boiling water. I don't know how you apply it. But you, you, this leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And also this tree, it was called a tree of life, immortality. Um, today, we know that we can't get back to this tree. We can't get back to the garden because it's being guarded. The entrance is guarded. We cannot get back. So part of the understanding if you want to understand the story of redemption, you have to come to the grips with the idea that there's no way home. You can't get back to the garden. The door's closed. You see, it's a choice Adam made that cannot be unchoiced. It's a bell that was rung that can't be unrung. You can't get back because it's being guarded by an angel. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, we may eat free from fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So the serpent spoke to Eve, and now Eve responds. She speaks back to the serpent. She tried to correct his understanding. Ladies, have you ever tried to correct a man's understanding? Sometimes you can, but most of the time, it just doesn't work. Anyway, so she tried to correct the serpent, and she wanted to explain to him, no, that's not what God said. God said we could eat any of the tree we wanted, uh, any tree in the garden, but just not this one tree, and we can't eat of it or we'll die, and we can't even touch it. Okay. God didn't say that, by the way. Do you notice that? She's making her point. She want to get it, nail it down. God said we can't eat of it, and we can't even touch it. Well, God didn't say that, but that's she got some stuff of it right, part of it right. She got the we will die part right. If we eat of this tree, we will surely die. 
So now the serpent, he's going to talk, and he says, You will not certainly die, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, oh, you know what, girl, this, eat of this tree. It's going to be good for you. You're not going to die. See, you know, God is just kind of trying to make some kind of point or something. You're not going to die. Uh, God's not being truthful to you. He's holding something back. He's keeping you from being everything you could be. See, God is keeping information back from you. See, what we believe drives our choices. Did you know that? And she was believing him in this regard. I thought about this some. It's kind of bothered me years ago. It bothered me that God was holding something back from them and from us. And then I kind of came to the conclusion, yeah, we probably aren't ready for everything God could let us know about, right? I've got some young grandchildren, some young grandsons, and I don't think I'm going to load a 22 pistol and hand it to them and say, here, go play with this. Mm-mm. I'm going to wait for them to get to be older, right? There's a time and a place that we play with these things. There's a time and a place where God can give us information and technology. He wouldn't give us an atomic bomb. Well, maybe he shouldn't have ever. I don't know. But, but nevertheless, it was there, but certainly wasn't then. So God was holding some things back from them until they had a later developmental phase. But he wasn't keeping the most important things from them. So let's leave that. That's not important as much as the rest of the story. So we stepped across the line. We believed a lie. We met a snake. We believed a lie. And so we stepped across a line God had drawn. Verse, uh, verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, now get this now, good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So Eve acted on impulse to respond to the perjury of the serpent. And she looked closer at the fruit. She looked at the fruit. She looked at it, and she realized it would be good for food. It You know, it was good food. It it helped her. It blessed her. She would gain from it, food. It was pleasing to look at. It was colorful. It was well-proportioned. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up. But it was, it was good to look at. And it made you wiser. And let's just, let me, could I stop a minute and preach? That's the way sin is. When you come across sin in your life, you know not to mess with it. But it looks good, doesn't it? And if you think it doesn't look good, I don't know where you've been all your life, but sin looks good. Oh, my, that would be fun. That would taste good. That would feel good. If I could do that, oh, boy, that would be super. But it, Satan will package it in a way that looks to you, looks good for food, pleasing to the eye. It will look all those things, and it will make you wiser. Okay, let's leave that. I don't want to preach too long. I might lose you, right? Where was Adam? 
Where was Adam? You see, when I was a kid, I thought Eve was out there all by herself in the garden talking to the snake. And, and then, so Eve then took the fruit to him, and he was at home praying and doing push-ups, you know. Right? That's what I thought he'd be doing, you know. Hey, just hanging out at home. And he, no, he was with her. That's what it says right there. He was with her. So he was there the whole time. He heard the argument. He heard the, the temptation. He saw it. He was there. But you see, Adam had been with God for maybe a billion years before he made Eve. Disprove me. Disprove that truth. You can't because we don't know. But he was here a long time before Eve was. He was here. Let's put it this way. He was here before Eve because he... Eve was made out of his rib, right? Are you following my logic? Okay. But we don't know how long Adam had been on the earth talking to God every day. I'm sure him and God had stories they told each other, information they gave each other. Oh, it was amazing, the time. Just imagine what they were like. And now God gave him Eve, and, man, he liked her. Oh, he loved Eve. Oh, this is great. This is the greatest thing ever happened. I got Eve. So Adam wasn't a slow-thinking caveman who was duped by taking a bite. He knew exactly what was at stake. And what was at stake? The birthright of the human race. That's what was at stake, our birthright. Remember Jacob and Esau? Jacob, or Esau, was the firstborn. He got the birthright. And then Jacob came along. He didn't get the birthright. Esau, the goat man, you think I'm lying, read the story. He was, had red hair on him, so much so that when his mama disguised the younger brother, she put a goat skin on him, and dad didn't know the difference. So I'm thinking he's a pretty hairy guy, right? So Esau went hunting, and he got hungry, and he about died. He starved to death. And he came home, and he said, little brother, you're such a good cook. Make me a bowl of beans. I'm about to die. So brother Jacob, the heel grabber, that's his name, the heel grabber made Esau uh, some food, and he said, I'll give this to you if you will give me the birthright. And Esau said, well, what good would a birthright do me if I die? So, yeah, I'll give it to you. So he sold his birthright for a pot of beans or pottage or porridge or whatever the King James called it. But it was a meager thing. And so Adam then has sold our birthright for a bite of apple or whatever fruit was. We called it an apple, but the Bible never calls it an apple, but it was a, a fruit, a forbidden fruit. Sold our heritage. Now we got to live with the consequences. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Their eyes were opened. They were in a perfect state of being. We don't know where they were. We don't know all that was like. We just know that they craved this knowledge, and they got it. And uh, we know this, and I've gotta, I'm going to just leave this and move on. There was no way back. That's what I want you to get. There wasn't any way back. You couldn't fix this. Now, if you're going to understand redemption, you have to understand there's no way to fix it. 
Because if you think there's a way to fix it, and a lot of people still do today, they can live good, give money to the church, uh, be a, pay their tithe, pay their debts, live a good life, and you'll be able to go back into the garden. No, the garden is closed. You cannot get back into the garden. There's only one way, and that you've got to have a redeemer to be born on the earth, a, a savior who will buy you back and put you into the family at his cost. You've got to have somebody pay your bill. You can't do it. And Jesus is that one. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is a reality change. A reality change. And a relationship changed. They were, we don't know again how long Adam and God had lived together. We don't know. Billion years maybe. We just don't know. But now, of course, they were, uh, he was always used to being in God's presence. And now Eve was here, and they would celebrate in the presence of God. I could just see them dancing like little children in God's presence, singing, shouting, just laughing with all the creation, praising God. And now the same God that they love so much, he came and they hid from him. And then poor dumb God... He had one little old man, and he lost him. He said, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Poor God, he lost him. I had one guy, and he lost him. Is that right? Absolutely not. God didn't lose anything. You see, God knew exactly where Adam was. He just needed Adam to know where Adam was. And God knows where you are. He just needs you to know where you are. You see, so God's going to call your name. Some of you, you're going to hear God call him today, call you this day. He's going to call you. He's going to say to you, where are you? Now, when he says that, he knows where you are, but he wants you to know where you are. Are you in rebellion? Are you lost? Are you in sin? Where, where are you? Or are you in fellowship with me? Are you walking beside me? Where are you? He knows, but he needs you to know. So when he calls you today, will you please listen? The prodigal son was feeding pigs when he heard God's voice, and what did he do? He got up and went home. Noah heard his voice, and he built a boat. Abraham heard his voice, and he left his home and went to the promised land. Moses heard it and set the captives free. Judas heard it and denied the Lord. You see, when you hear God's voice, the greatest test of your life, greatest test of faith is about to happen. When you hear God's voice, it's going to test your faith because His voice will ask you where you are. And you've got to be honest with yourself and honest with God. Some of you today will hear His voice. The answer, how you answer Him, will be in exact relationship to your understanding of where you are. Are you one of His or are you not one of His? You know that. You, you already know if you're one of God's children or if you're not. See, you, you know that. You, you know if you're in rebellion. There's even some of His children that are still in rebellion. And there may be some of His children here today who are born again 
Christians, born-again people, but you still got a little rebellion in you, and you're running, doing things your own way. You got to just say, God, just be, God's going to say, where are you? You need to know. Some are so lost, they don't even know where they are. And if you're here today and you're so lost, you don't know where you are, let me tell you where you are. You're standing in the presence of a loving God that will forgive you, that came to Calvary and died on a cross for your sins and came from the grave alive with power over death, over hell and the grave, to save you and restore you and redeem you. And when this life is over, he will open the garden again. And you can walk into the tree of life, into the very presence of God. Where are you going to go? Where are you today? You're going to go into the garden? Let's go in with him. Father, today we have stood in the primordial ooze of, of the story of redemption. We've seen how it all started today. And Lord, we've found ourselves in this story as well. And we've been facing a difficult question. Where are we? Lord, here's where we are. We're lost. We're hopeless. We're humans. We're Adam's kids. But we also know that we want to be yours. We pray for adoption. Will you bring us into your family by your blood? And you've already promised you'd do that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today, Father, we're calling upon you. Save us, Jesus. Save us from our sins, from our self. Save us, Lord, today. And that's our prayer. In Jesus we pray. Amen.